There's nothing outside of yourself that can ever enable you to get better, stronger, richer, quicker, or smarter. Everything is within. Everything exists. Seek nothing outside yourself. Take one deep breath. Welcome to Healing House Parker! Welcome, y'all. Y'all ready for some samurai action today, baby? But it's like... Those are the, those are the sounds of the swords. Yep. Love it. Yes, dude. Today, um, on this episode, we're going to be covering uh, one of Japan's... Well, it's actually... he is known to be the greatest swordsman in the empire, mm. Miyamoto Musashi. Ooh. He bad. He bad. He bad. <laughs> um, let's get right into it. Mitchie, hocus pocus focus. What you up to, bitch? For everyone that has been waiting for my baby announcement, there's no, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> I got my period. Woo, 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 woo. The blood... <laughs> The blood came. <laughs> Flows within. It flew from within. Uh, yeah, it was just right the second I was like, not going to worry about it anymore. The blood came pouring. Um, and for anyone else who is... Well, yeah. <laughs> now it's probably too far past the time, but I swear something was going on because I talked to... A, I basically told everybody that I came into contact with that I was late on my cycle. So <laughs> I had a lot of... Feet. <laughs> You just run up to them yeah. and you grab yeah. them by their shirt and you're clinching onto their shirt collar with both your fists and you're like, I'm late. I'm late. Okay. What am I going like, to do? Um, I just wanted to know if you wanted ice with yeah. your drink. <laughs> There's like tears pouring from my face. You're like, yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I had a lot of feedback, I would say, and a lot of other women that I was talking to who were like, oh, my God, I'm also late. Um, so there's something in the air, you know? But I was on time this, this round. Well. Definitely got emotional, though. Well, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want, a fucking gold star? <laughs> Seems like you got your Please. shit together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well dude there was that one month the month before where i was telling you i was like oh my god i'm late uh but dan has i don't know why i don't trust the vasectomy you can't you can't has. trust him I'm like no like i'm like he's like brie i had the vasectomy i tested negative for like active sperm you're not going to get pregnant Unless you cheat on me. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm worried about. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. <laughs> um, so. Total jokes. But um, yeah, totally. Unless so, it's with Marcus Parks. <laughs> I'll never cheat on Dan. <laughs> unless, you got, unless you got pregnant by some ghost wizard. <laughs> <laughs> the wizard of the north comes yeah. back to inseminate me. Michael Scott. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Prison Mike. Prison Mike. <laughs> Wizard Mike. Um, side funny story. Um, one time, like my, you know, one of my closest friends growing up, we were like 
11 or like 10 like maybe 11 or 10 or whatever probably 10 um definitely i'm gonna say i'm gonna go ahead and say nine or ten it just keeps getting lower and lower um no but we were definitely really young because like th- this is how well, i mean it'll reveal itself to why i know that we were so young anyway so my friend was like i have to tell you something like i need to tell you something and i'm like oh my god what is it like and she's like i can't like i can't say it like let me i, I have to write it down you know so i'm like oh my god you told like did you get your period? Like you had, you got your period. And she's like, you bitch. Yeah. She's like, no, no, I'll write it down. I'll write it down. So I'm like, oh my God, are you pregnant? Like literally it was like, well, if you're not, it was just like, those were the two things that could be like, you're, you got your period. Yeah. And if it's not that, then maybe you're pregnant somehow. Um, I know. Like, as you get older, too, like, I feel like it's like, oh, you're engaged to whoever it is with you're with or you're pregnant. You're pregnant, yeah. But it was really funny because, like, she yeah. wrote down on the piece of paper, like, I got my period. You know, she got her period. And I was like, oh, my God, you got your period. I was jealous. I was like a vi- I was just going to say, were you jealous? If you've seen what I've looked like, you know I was a late bloomer. Still blooming. <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen what I look like. <laughs> Oh my god, that is amazing. I had to get like I was jealous of Oh how yeah, when did you get your first pube? I was like young. I was like ten. October thirteenth, nineteen ninety five. So I have no idea that the Um, year and date is documented. Yeah, no, I'm just joking. But uh I, I I do remember like, you know, being excited about it. I also started shaving my legs before I even had leg hair. You know what I mean? Like I was like Ow Dude, they were silky smooth. You shave your legs and you have layer. Oh my god, I remember being like so obsessed with it. That was I like bet. the moment. Um, Did you ever watch Pen Fifteen? Uh, no, but I wrote it a lot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> As did every child. As did girl. every child. Um. So if you haven't seen Pen Fifteen on Hulu, go fucking watch it, dude, because it is literally our childhood, like our okay. middle school life. It's about these girls that grow up in like late nineties, uh, like cusp of early two thousand. Um, but there's this scene scene where they like are getting ready to go to their first dance, but they're also all gonna shave their legs for the very first time. Oh. And so their moms get them like those little like colored like bic razors and then some shaving cream and then start them a bath. And then the girls just, like, get on their bathing suits, and then they get into the bath, and they just, like, are in their bathing suits, and then they pull their legs out of the water, and they're just, like, these crazy, like, beast legs. It's fucking amazing. (laughs) And you're just, like, I was like, oh my god, I remember that. The first time I ever shaved, like, I was in middle school. My mom, like, wouldn't even let me wear makeup until high school. Like, it was, like, I had to, like, secretly bring it to school and then take it all off before, like, I went home to go see her. Um, which sucks because after school, you know, it's when you'd, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hang out with the boys and, yeah. and stuff. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so anyway, so, like, it, I just had, like, seeing that scene gave me, like, all of these, like, crazy flashbacks. Like, oh, my God, I have I to watch younger. that. I bet I would love that. I did not. Oh my I, God, don't, I remember we all shaved our. I legitimately shaved my pubes like with a girlfriend. Like we shaved our pubes in our. Uh, her dad, like, ha, you know, she her dad had a boat, and we shaved our pubes on the um, the boat 
in the boat shower. So Did like, you imagine guys use the same razor. I t- probably. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, fourteen or something. But like, imagine her dad. Like, it was a boat shower, so it wasn't like you know. There's not like proper drainage. We just like clogged oh that God. shit up with our like bushes. He's like, why are all these like coarse hairs caught in the? Dr- oh my God! <laughs> my God! <laughs> Oh, oh that's so, good. so good. But um, other than the, yeah, hokey pocus, other than uh, that side note of wherever we went from, um, I am really trying to zone in on scheduling and, you know, ritual scheduling. It's like what I'm always talking about, but what I'm always trying to strive to be better at um, because I don't, I start my uh, yoga training at the end of this month and I just want to feel, I just want to feel like really, (laughs) uh, I want to feel like pretty, you know, like going into it, I want to be like pretty structured, um, like add some, you know, and I think it it just comes once like some, something is happening, you know, schedule wise that I have to do. And especially if I want to do it, it just like falls Mm -hmm. into place, which I know it will, but just to like get a little bit of like. I don't know. I'm reading for my yoga um, class, The uh, Creative Habit by Twyla Tharp. And I told Brie this, like I picked the book up and I'm like, oh my God, this book was literally, it's like, I feel like it's just being so directed at me, like in the time Mm -hmm. right now that I'm going through, like just using, you know, making your rituals and your, your patterns throughout your morning and stuff like that, like this, this habit. um, And it really set yourself up to like be able to create. And like so often I, you know like have a lot of like especially if you do like a creative job or if you're a artist that works from home and that's your main income um it's like uh, obviously like all y'all know if you do the anything similar that it's not like you're just like your creative button is just like turned on all the time but if you can you know uh do the best you can to like set yourself up for success it's like I know it's like the most obvious thing to say ever but like I've never I don't ever get sick of fear it's like I it's like I'm hearing it for the first time anybody tells me and I'm like oh my god that makes, I, right? should, I should totally do that it's amazing. you eat breakfast every morning every single morning I have to or everyone that crosses my path will die by my hand right I know I'm just straight like, up yeah yeah so um, that's what I'm focusing on. This my hocus pocus focus of the week is just like kind of getting uh, even more just yeah, just kind of yeah, getting doing the things. Uh, I've been waking up and walking my dogs like first thing in the morning because turns out your animals also. I'm like I'm all like, why are my dogs like so insane? You know, like after Where my like, dogs at? yeah, like <laughs> through like coat. You know, I'm sure like the like if you're if you've been quarantined at all in the last year, like you your dogs. You know, there's some changes that have happened for them too, and it's just like reading this book. I'm like, oh my god, of course they're acting like when I don't have a routine and when they don't have a routine. Like, dude, they're so crazy when they don't have like a routine, and they've had a routine mm-hmm. many of times, and everything is smooth sail. You know, a lot smoother when I'm doing those things even for my dogs. So first thing in the morning, I wake up and I walk my dogs. Then the rest of the day I don't have to worry about them. And they're 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 just they're great after that, you know? Yeah, they're just chilling. That's what they wanted. They were like so I started watching this show on Netflix. It's about like this guy who trains dogs. And so really interesting because again, I like 
teach this <laughs> and like I know this like the back of my hand but for some reason when this trainer this dog trainer like mentioned it on his show I was like oh my god yeah <laughs> so he was like it, he what he does is he kind of like Cesar Chavez is it and like um rehabilitates like dogs that need just a little bit more love and some more help and he was saying to like this couple um he was like okay he's like look so your dog has anxiety and it's anxious and that's why it's like biting people or like barking a lot what you need to do is you need to replace that anxiety with dopamine and the way that you do that with dogs is through exercise and treats shit i just said the word <laughs> they come yeah they i come. just said it again i just said it again oh they'll be clawing <laughs> <laughs> actually they're nothing <laughs> weird somehow my dogs have been triggered by it (laughs) yeah right (laughs) but like I all of a sudden like my head went off and like because I was kind of being a little anxious that day and I was like oh my god I should just go work out really quick or I'm gonna go on a run like I didn't like do anything yesterday and that's probably why I'm feeling this way is because I did not do my morning routine of some sort of movement either a yoga class a sculpt class or running or a hike Mm-hmm. I didn't do any of it. And so I that just like clicked in my head and I was like Jesus Christ. But yeah, like I teach it, like I talk about it all the time. I know it, but then all of a sudden it just like really like I revisited it be hard. Oh, yeah. You can never hear it. I mean, like everything, you know, we've talked about this a million times. Like when we say something, it's like something that you need to hear, you know? Like oh, you're mostly always, like always, telling always. yourself. But like also it's so helpful to hear from somebody else unless it's your husband. Husbands around yes. the world, shut the fuck up. If it's seriously, Dan, <laughs> nobody needs you to tell me anything except for that I'm pretty. Yeah, and you worship the ground I walk on, and that's it. You're so lucky. And how you bad love you everything I me. do. Yeah, you're you're you don't you don't know what you do without me. No, I love my husband so much, but like seriously, like he probably and I feel horrible for him because this is the definite truth when I say like my husband will tell me something over and over and over and over again and I either ignore the shit out of him or I legitimately get angry with what he's saying and then I come home from a therapy session not anymore I come out of like the backyard because that's where I go for my therapy sessions like in the corner of my backyard Mm -hmm. I'm like I'd rather my neighbors hear this shit than But I come out from the backyard. Every the whole neighborhood has like a planned like secret cocktail hour. Oh my god! Like where they all like go outside sneakily, like when you're having your therapy. Uh, they would be like, "This bitch is just like a fucking yeah." It's for two years. I just I get on the call and I just say the same thing over and over again. For you know how it is. Um, yeah. Um, but I come in and I'm like, "Oh my god, my therapist." Beep. Uh. that was his name you know his name I almost said it but um my therapist said you know blah 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 and Jordan's like just staring at me like are you fucking kidding me I've been telling you that like for legit you just paid this asshole a hundred dollars to fucking tell you that (laughs) and I'm like oh it hit differently this time though (laughs) oh it slapped differently (laughs) He has glasses and a PhD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but coming from you, it's just like, ugh. Stupid. Yeah. Stu- just kidding, Dan. Yeah. You're not stupid. You're I know not. Dan was like, I'm like, Dan, is my tax return going to come? It still hasn't come yet, and it's been over the 21 days. 
And he was like, calm down. You do this every single year. <laughs> He's yeah. like, you'll get your money. Just yeah. sit down and shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, babe. Um, I'm trying to be a better listener to Dan, though, because he really does nail it on the head. Um, I but know. But it's just but tone. Tone is everything. It's everything. Like, and women have such a good tone. And my therapist. Mm-hmm. Therapist. Women. Because, yeah, like you're, you know. That's why I always tell people who come to me and they're like, oh, my God, you know, I had this conversation with my partner and, I, and I'm like, you told your fucking partner that? What were you thinking? Like, yeah. why did you tell your partner for three hours how insecure you are? You know what I'm saying? Like, they are not going to lift you up, yo. They're not. I mean, most partners. I'm sorry. If you have a partner that's like, I mean, then that's amazing. That's good for you. Um, but I feel like. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. Um, but I feel like most, you know, it's like if you call your girlfriend or your friend or whatever and you're like, I fucking suck, I'm hideous, like I blah, blah, blah. Like they're going to be like, oh my God, all you need is you're a little. You're so beautiful. You're so pretty. And you're going to feel better when you tell your partner that shit. Like if, you know, they don't want to, like they're they're not going to know what to say. And they're, they're certainly, I mean, my experience, it's like you just, just tell your, tell your, tell your girl tell that your, shit. Yeah. Tell your, your sister. Or your freaking like waxer, she'll or be your like mom. Moms are really oh, good for that shit. Yeah. Oh my god! Anytime I'm feeling that, my mom is like, "Brian, you are the most beautiful girl that has ever existed in the whole wide world." <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like, I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but like seriously, like my mom. Can, like, lift my bitch ass up into the clouds and give oh. me superpowers. Like, I don't know how that, like, happens. but 100%. My mom, too. Thanks, and, Ma. Yeah, and you're really good at that for me, too, Brie. I'm like, I don't know if I should have done this or said this. Or actually, I don't even know if I deserve to be alive. And Brie's like, you're my best friend in the whole world. And Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't hear you. What did you say? Perfect. You're perfect. Okay, can you text me that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's so. Uh, so you, well, yeah, well, you're doing you're a good job. I feel like. Oh, my hokey. Yeah, um, but thank. What? Wait, around. but wait, but what? I am doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> you are doing a really good job at like remembering things and like being <gasps> on time thank and you. uh really sticking to your schedule so huzzah to the lost let me drink my drink too <sighs> yeah that's my new rich is to have a kombucha and a little bit of tequila when we record these things it helps me relax, loosens it. the nostrils, and <laughs> opens the vocal cords. Um, my hokey pokey pokey this week. Um, so, going off of kind of like what we'll be talking about later on today about Miyamoto Musashi, is so I in doing a little bit more research on him because uh, Dan and I have read like this twelve. Uh, book series or is it 15 I don't remember Um, anime comic that is based around Miyamoto Musashi's life and it is so fucking good so he's always been like one of our our favorite 
samurais. Like we both, him and Dan and I just both love Japanese culture. Um, especially like, you know, the stories, the folklore, the, the romanticism, the like honor, the dedication, like just really the commitment to like whatever, like the path, um, that each, you know, individual has, but love it. I just think it's so interesting and I always want to learn more about it. So I, I read, reread, uh, the book of five rings, which is a book that we'll talk about here in a moment. And then, um, I watched a couple of documentaries that I started this podcast. It's called like, um, like infamous dictators or something like that. Dictator something. Mm-hmm. I'll get the name and, and we'll figure it out. But anyway, and it was about, um, the Shogun. So like the military general in world war two and kind of how he like had this like revival on, on samurai, culture that had been kind of like put into a genie bottle and then it was like rubbed and unleashed Mm. and like I just realized that I have no discipline compared to some of these people like I am like oh my god dude like I like I just really admire this culture that can be just so dedicated and solely committed to one purpose and is like in it to the end, you know? And like here I have like one bad day at work and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to quit. I'm a piece of shit. You know, like just like it really sparked this like drive and push for discipline and and commitment to the path that I'm on and to keep riding and to keep fucking crushing and destroying. Um, but it was crazy. Oh my God. Which we'll talk more about all of this stuff here in a moment, but that's kind of my hocus pocus focus is, is discipline. I, I'm just like super inspired. By I'm latching like, onto that for my hocus pocus. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing Moving is forward. in the way. No, nothing is getting in the fucking way, dude. Like at all. Like I am here. I am rolling forward. I'm going to kick everybody's ass and take all the names and do whatever I can, you know, just to make this thing successful and, you know, do what I love and what I want and, you know, be an example for, like, women everywhere to, like, that you are unstoppable. The only person that's in your way is yourself. Ugh, it's always just you. So true. It's literally always myself. And I'm always in my fucking way. I need to get the fuck out. It's about time. Um, so yeah, that's it. Shall we draw a card? So open up your heart and your mind, babies, and receive the power of the dance. You know the cards don't lie, and I'm starting to feel it's right. All the attraction, the tension, don't you see, baby, this is perfection. Card time. Choose a card. It looks like we got awakened. Oh <gasps> yeah, bitch. I'm woke as fuck. We've we of service. How are you being asked to show up in the world? This is a time of rebirth and soul surrender to a higher level of truth within you. Open your whole heart and become one with yourself. Be more available to others and to the abundance of the universe. You are the treasure you've been seeking. Awaken. 
Especially coming out of spring, too. You know, coming in, we're waking the fuck up. It's a up. great one for us today, for all of us, I'm sure. And kind of coming up to the, yeah, coming out of spring. We're about to have the Pisces new moon, which will probably be passed by, oh, no, maybe not. Um, <clears throat> but the Pisces new moon, and, you know, new moons are a great time to kind of, like, you know, be reborn a lot of like, you know, kind of go within and kind of let yourself, um, awaken <laughs> once again. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's so I good. It. I love it. I need, I feel like, I feel like I need it. Cause I was even like telling some of the girls like at the shop, I was like, dude, do you ever get to this point, like, in when it's, like, late into winter and you're tired of, like, wearing sweaters and shit? You just start dressing mm-hmm, like total mm-hmm. shit. And then you start getting to be, like, a lazy yep. POS. And I was like, I feel that. So uh, that was a good reminder that I did need to awaken. awaken. A walk. A walk and a woke. Talk about people who are fucking woke. Mm. Great segue, Mitch. No problem. Um... Let's get into our, our topic and our discussion of today. This week on Healing House Podcast, we're going to be covering Miyamoto Musashi, the art mm. of focus. My sources here are Wikipedia, always live forever, uh, thehistoryoffighting.com, and Britannica, and last but not least, the Book of Five Rings. Um, which is, again, it's such a quick read. Like if you are kind of just looking for, you know, something that isn't Sean Korn or Brene Brown, (laughs) (laughs) uh, go out and, and get the book of five rings. There's so much like symbolism and metaphors, uh, for, for just philosophy and, and focus and strategy on life. And so this week on Healing House Podcast, I will be covering the greatest swordsman who ever lived. The most respected and talented samurai in all of Japan, and one that the world has mm. ever seen. Right. So first and foremost, um, Michelle, what's a samurai? Like, what do you, what do you think a samurai? Um, is? Well, I've watched um, the Seven Samurai, the uh, Akira uh, Kurosawa. Love I love a lot movie. of that director's uh, movie, Akira Kurosawa. Um, so great. Good. And then I guess maybe I, you know. No, um, I think that they like started off as like kind of like groups, you know, like the individual, like I don't want to say gangs, but like maybe sort of clans. Clans is what they're and, called. Mm-hmm. Um, they maybe, you know, like we're like protecting like each other or something, and then it like got taken out of control. And maybe I'm wrong, but, like, maybe I, I think it got crazy or something, and they, like, took over their government or something. <laughs> <But> <laughs> <laughs> and then there was just, like, a revolt, and then we fucking crushed all the shit. Um, so, no, dude, you're, like, so on, like, exactly, you know, just I'll add on a little bit more detail to pretty much everything that Michelle said, right? But samurai are the hereditary, mili- hereditary excuse me military nobility and officer caste of medieval and early modern Japan from the 12th century to their abolition in the 1870s however like I was telling you I was listening to that dictator podcast um, the the general 
who can who was the shogun, which is another fancy word for for military general in in Jap in Japan. It's not a fancy word. That's what it's called. Um, so fancy he kind me. of like samurai. Like I was saying, samurai culture was like kind of just like put a lid on it in the eighteen seventies, and all of a sudden, like when World War Two happened, like this was when Japan wanted to take over China and be the dominant like country in the east pretty much so what happened is that this general took the lid right off of this samurai like lifestyle mentality and philosophy and and, and re-leashed it back to the world but in the 1870s was kind of when it began to die off right they they were well-paid uh retainers of the daimo Right, so the great uh, feudal landholders. So basically, what each samurai was kind of like broken off into, like what Michelle said, different clans, and these could be just samurai from your family, or they could just be kind of like people from within your community who ended up taking up the path of the samurai, um, and you all stay together always and defend this one specific like land hoarder land owner or or somebody of nobility within the japanese caste system does that make sense and you are willing for the clan for your master you are willing to do anything that is needed at all times including death and killing yourself as well okay uh samurai were held highly and shown respect um, from the entire Japanese community. The way that the caste system in Japan worked was, so you had outcasts, so basically people who weren't Japanese. Dan and I have talked about this before, but, like, like, and, and I see it in Hispanic culture as well, just, like, mm-hmm. hearing from, like, my grandma, my great-grandma talk terrible things. But, like, they're very, very racist, but against each mm-hmm. other. Does that make sense? So, like, like the Japanese think that, you know, like, back in the day, you know, like, especially during World War Two and, like, other times that they were kind of, like, less than almost the way that, um, you know, Hitler thought of, like, the mm. Slavics as well, kind of just, like, these less than people. So, basically, if you aren't Japanese, you're considered an outcast and you're at the lotus, lowest of their caste system. Then there's uh, merchants, craftspeople peasants so like farmers and fishermen like they're held up high right because they provide like you know they Mm. give the nutrients for for what we need to keep our bodies alive um and then you have samurai daimo which is lords the shogun right the shogun is in charge of the entire japanese military the imperial family and the emperor right so the samurai are up there, you know, like they are, are really, really well respected. It, it is, you are put into a sea of, of great respect and appreciation being a samurai. Right? Samurai would help highly or were held highly and shown respect from the entire Japanese community. Almost like monks, they lived a very spiritual uh, disciplined lifestyle, right? So everything comes back to the way of a samurai and, and to the path and upholding, um, all of the different, like, kind of like, uh, combinations that help make up 
Japanese culture and philosophy, Mm. right? So that the Japanese and the samurai philosophy and mentality has roots in Buddhism, Confucianism, Zen, and Shinto, right? These are all different like religions and philosophies that have helped inspire uh, the orchestra and you know, the lifestyle of how to be a samurai. Can anyone become one? Yeah. I mean, you just, I mean, you have to do the work. (laughs) Like, you know, kind of like what I was talking about in yoga today. Like, you don't just pick up the katana and start fucking slashing and, like, going into battle and kicking ass and taking names. No, you are going to be pulling like hundreds of buckets of water from a well and carrying them up like 40 flights of stairs over and over and over all day. And then you're going to sit and and meditate for hours and, you know, do the tiniest little things, you know, separate each grain of rice, you know, Mm -hmm. learn how to eat the rice with like your left chopstick, you know, like if you think about like kill bill, like you think about kill bill. Yeah, like go. Okay, that's probably one movie I think that a lot of people most likely have seen. If you haven't, go fucking see Kill Bill because Quentin Tarantino understands film noir. He understands samurai movies, and he gets everything just like spot on. And it's a really good uh, Western interpretation of it's one of my favorite um, movies. a samurai movie. But yeah, what is that thing like the finger punch? What is it called? The where she where Uma Thurman is like. What is that fucking, the death punch? I know, what is it called? What is that called? When she's, like, buried alive in the coffin and then she just, like, punches her shit out. I don't fucking remember. Um, Oh, my God. God damn it. I don't remember what it's called. Anyways, we'll figure it out. Go watch the movie and then you'll hear what it's called. But, yeah, so it's just, like, the training. You know, if you think about all the training that Uma Thurman went through in that movie to be able to, you know, make that technique happen, it's that, right? So you can, however, you you have to show a natural talent. And then you have to be an insanely hard worker. Like, you have to dedicate your entire fucking life to this new path of, of being a samurai. Like, that, this is your life. That's it. You can get married, though, as a samurai. That's, like, another one. It's, like, people are like, can you get married? Can the three-inch yes. punch. You absolutely can. That's it. <laughs> the three-inch punch. Yes. Yeah, the the three-inch three punch. punch. Um, she's such a badass. Um, but, yeah, so it's called the three-inch punch. Um, going back to that, like, death punch that we were talking about. Um, but, yes, you can have, you can get married. You can have kids. X, Y, and Z. They practice meditation um, to master the mind, right? Samurai were huge on meditation, right? Because if your mind is all over the place, you have the monkey mind going on, which if you take my yoga class, you hear me talk about the monkey mind all the time. I know myself has one, and that's why like, I like balancing on my hands is because it calms the mind for me. Like It's like the few moments mm. in my day where I am not thinking about jack totally shit because oh my god one loss of concentration you fall one loss of concentration with right. the katana brie we had a yoga we had healing house yoga today and brie talked about this and i was just like oh my god it makes so much sense and this is why i love yoga i you know i know now is because those like you're saying like to be taken out of something and only like we're it's so limited that we are ever just like focused on one thing because our lives are just like you know there's always things like flashing 
you know, and trying to distract us. I mean, I feel like that. Um, but yeah, stuff like oh, yeah. yoga and Don't that. And it. I mean, for me, like slacklining or like archery, it's like anything that can like take me away from, you know, everything else is, is dope. Meditation is just, it's so important and it's key and you see it everywhere. And like, I feel like every like style of mindfulness, whether it be physical or, you know, something that's energetic is, is the mastery of the mind, which is the hardest thing ever. Right. And so that's what you would do. Like within your clan is, you know, you had, um, a master or, you know, a Shogun and you were a part of like a school. Right. And (laughs) personally, I'd want to be a part of the Wu-Tang Clan. Just kidding. Wu-Tang Clan. That's our samurai squad for Healing House. Um, (laughs) Wu-Tang. But yeah, and then you would join a a, a clan. You would get admitted into, obviously, like you had to go through a series of like, you know, levels of screening before like you couldn't just be Joe Schmo and be like, I want to be a samurai bitch. Like, no, like you had to like fucking really earn it yeah so and you know the best way to do that is is through Mm. through strong strength and and hard work um the buddhist concept of reincarnation prevented them uh from many war crimes also as well right that we know of today like torture and and needless killings some warriors even put down their swords and became monks later on in life Right. This was like a thing like they practice mindfulness hard fucking core. Like they're not going to kill somebody unless that is the only way through to the path. Like whatever that path that that specific samurai or clan is is Mm -hmm. on. Right. So which I which I really liked. However, like when I was talking about like in World War Two, that specific Japanese general. um, So what he would happen is like with the POWs that they took from, you know, England and Australia is because in Japanese culture, like you don't surrender, like you fight till the death or you kill yourself as a samurai. And obviously in the West, we don't do that. You know, like we have like certain levels of ranks that have like a certain style of living situation. If you're a POD, um, or a POW, um, or you go to Guantanamo Bay and get waterboarded. Um, but yeah, that, that's one thing that I really liked about the samurai culture is that they had, res- it was a very uh, respectable culture, like rooted in honor and civility. However, you always had like bad seeds and like shit going on then, um, you know, that would be a contrary to that mindset and philosophy. Confucianism also played a role in the path of the samurai. They used weapons like the long sword, the katana, or the tachi, right? So tachi is just another side, like style of sword, but I think the type of sword that we're all most familiar with is the katana. Right? The tachi was the second mm-hmm. most popular, and I'm just naming off honestly the most popular weapons that they had. Obviously, they're trained in so many different styles of like you know physical, like hand to hand combat and how to use different types of swords and how to take anything and turn it into a weapon. These are kind of just like the the tools that they use that were intentionally used for uh, combat. The longbow, 
that was called the Yumi. Uh, pole, pole weapons, uh, kind of like a spear or a stick was called, uh, a Yari staff weapons, like made of wood. So kind of like a wooden sword, uh, cannons, you know, that again, we're kind of getting into the point, like, cause you know, by then there was, there was fire and you were able to use like fireworks and cannons. So they would use cannons or chains, which is really interesting. I think of uh, again Kill Bill. Scary. Yeah, um, yeah the chair. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Whatever the thing is that she's whipping around. That crazy like uh, ball with like the chain and like the spikes on top of the ball. Fucking gnarly. Um, and then you know, so that was kind of just like what you use as a samurai. And again, you were dedicated to your lord. So whatever your lord needed you to do or protect, like your job, what your path was to be sh- be sure that your lord and your clan was successful at whatever it did, right? And you fought till the death. And what would happen a lot of the times is, like, if your lord, right, or, you know, your teacher, uh, your master would die, you would die. You would kill yourself. If you're fa- like, rather than being taken, held hostage, you know, like, like a POW, that's why in World War II, they had so much disrespect for POWs because they were living in that samurai mentality. You never surrendered, right? If you were defeated, your life is done. It would end. And they called it harikari, you know, and sometimes we hear in America, people very, very like incorrectly and disrespectfully say Harry Carey, but it's Harikari, what would happen is the way that you would kill yourself is you would take your sword from its sheath and you would put it through your abdomen, slice yourself open and disembowel yourself to kill yourself. Right? That's how how you would kill yourself if, if you're a master, if you're shogun, if like Everybody in your clan. If you have no fear. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I could fucking do that shit. Um, but yeah, so you would just stab, slice, and like you moved it from like side to side, the sword, when it was inside of you. And then all of your guts would just come coming out. So they, you would be disemboweled, and then that's how you would die. Like that was considered an honorable death. Like samurai were held at the seat of most high, most honorable. You have to have an honorable death. Right. But however, if you didn't do that, you would become a Ronin, which is what uh, Miramoto Musashi would become. Right? He, in a way, kind of was like a punk rocker for samurais. Like he didn't really follow too much of the traditions like or would go against some that he thought he had like a greater purpose or, or more meaning through. So um, his master actually passed away. Right, his teacher did, mm-hmm. but he didn't kill himself. He didn't commit harikari, right? He in turn became a ronin, right? A ronin, a samurai without a lord or a master during the feudal period, which was in eleven eighty five to eighteen sixty eight of Japan. A samurai became masterless upon the death of his master or after the loss of his master's favor or privilege. 
In medieval times, the ronin were depicted as the shadows of the samurai, masterless and less honorable. It then came to be used for the samurai who had no master, right? And this was Miyamoto Musashi over time. According to the Code of the Warrior, a samurai was supposed to commit horikari, belly cutting, right, from as form of ritual suicide once that happened. One who chose not to, um, to honor that code or on his own, um, and was meant for uh, suffer and great shame. So, people, again, you know, people look down on you if you didn't kill yourself when your homie died. Or not your homie, but like... Okay, sh- your master. Yeah. But like also like how do you become a master? Because like if you're, you know, a master, I'm sure you're going to talk about this, but like this is just what's on my mind right now. If you're a master and, you kill yourself. and you've like uh, yeah, or if you're a master and you uh, or you know, you die and then that you're like student or you're samurai, like they could, you know, share that knowledge with like another samurai yeah. or but now they're just dead. Yeah, like the whole clan is dead. So, there's caveat to that. A lot of the times, like, masters will leave, not necessarily, but they will, like, they will begin to be training their uh, replacement. So, this kind of comes along, I feel like, under circumstances, right? So, like, if there, you are a master and you die and you don't have a successor and it is something that's super sporadic... Then you kill yourself. But also, too, it's also very common, like, after you join a clan to go off and just honor and, you know, give your soul and your life to just this one single samurai. Because, honestly, some samurai, too, could, like, defeat, defeat like, groups of, like, 50 men. Like, that's how you trained as a samurai. Like, it was nuts, dude. You read the Book of Five Rings because it talks all about it and then the strategy behind that. Um so, again, it's, it, it could be circumstantial, but I get what you're saying, how you're like, but wait, wouldn't they all be dead if, like, ever, if the master died and that happened? It's kind of circumstantial. So, again, if, you know, the samurai didn't have – or the master didn't have a successor for, for the clan. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. Sweet. Um, <laughs> so, Miyamoto Musashi, also known as Shaiman Takezo, right, that's, like, his – uh, birth name, right? Miyamoto uh, Bonkesku, or his uh, Buddhist name, uh, Naiten Doraku, was a Japanese swordsman, philosopher, strategist, writer, and ronin. Right, so he had many different names uh, th- th- throughout history. Musashi became renowned for his stories of unique double-bladed swordsmanship, undefeated record of 61 duels so he was never lost a battle ever yeah that's again yeah that's where he got kind of like you know that title that subtitle that came along with his name of the greatest swordsman in the empire um but yeah so he never lost a fucking battle and so like his technique was he fought with two swords in each hand Slayed. He slayed. Like, neither was he left nor right-handed. He was a master with both hands. Mm, of course he was. He was fucking badass. So badass. Musashi became uh, renowned through the stories of his unique double-blade swordsmanship. He was uh, the founder of the uh, Nitin Ichiru, 
right? The Nato Ichiru style of swordsmanship, right? So then that was kind of like the name of his school as well that he went on uh, to later to develop was the samurai school. And so that was when you went to his school, obviously he had to like, again, you go through the tier system of like, okay, they're cool. Um, they're vetted. You can absolutely like train this guy. He's earned his stripes. And that's what you learn is his specific technique at the Ichi school. Uh, the most common work Musashi is known for in his writings, a philosophy on the art of war and focus. It's called the Book of Five Rings, which is where our focus will be today. The details of Miyamoto Musashi's early life are, are very difficult to, to verify. Again, if you think about like, you know, uh, Nero or, you know, you think about King Tut um, trying to think of other, like, really, you know, Napoleon, like, there's still always, like, a lot of romanticism, a lot of speculation and, 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 and theory, so some of his tales and stories definitely have a folklore mm -hmm. twist to them, even though they may, like, also all be factual. He was a scruffy vagabond kind of looking guy, truly embodying a, a ronin, right? Again, because, right, ronins were kind of, like, you know, the lowest of... Was he hot? Yeah. Uh, it was told that he was hot. All of the, like, cool, like, drawings and, like, paintings I see of him, too, I'd be like, I'd sit on it. Um, I bet he was yeah, hot. He probably was super hot when he's all, like, scruffy and, like, doesn't give a shit with his, like, callous hands and his swords. His two perfect, like, his... So it was too perfect. Story. Totally. <laughs> that was his, like, secret. <laughs> he had two ladies. <laughs> Yeah, too. I was like, he could slice open this pussy. Um, <laughs> when I see his photos, just kidding. Um, please don't slice open my vagina. Um, but yeah, he was like, he just didn't fucking give a shit. Again, really channeling that kind of like uh, Buddhist, like Confucianism style of like, you know, being like, it's not about worldly things and like lurking a certain way and having the fanciest armor or the coolest sword. Actually, he believed, you know, that you shouldn't have a favorite weapon um, at all because what it does is it enables mm -hmm. your performance, right? Because if you can't, 100%. what happens if like your favorite sword is gone and all you have left is like this, like, you know, like rock <laughs> or something right. or like you, there's a stick or like another sword that you like, then you're shit. It's a great point. Great lesson. Yeah. Like then you're shit. Like I like to think about it like, I like to not be dependent upon something for your performance. Um, Ugh, I feel that way about Instagram right now. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. No, mm -hmm. yeah, you don't need it. Um, like I don't want just yeah. What if just Instagram is my anyway? Is your sword? <laughs> um, Musashi himself simply states in the Book of Five Rings that he was born in Harima Province. Um supports uh the theory that musashi was born in 1584 this is the time that we think he was born he was born in banshu in tenso 12 1584 the year of the monkey his father shenemen musashi uh, was also a samurai and went by the name miyamoto munoseke uh, was a martial artist, expert in using the sword. So again, kind of like taking after his dad. His dad was a samurai. Apparently him and his dad too, like barely had a relationship because his dad was like off being a samurai and doing samurai shit, doing hot girl shit. 
Mm-hmm. And so what happened is his dad died. And so then he went to go live with his uncle and his uncle was kind of the person that got him into like all the samurai stuff. And, you know, obviously like kind of like that romantic idea that your dad died as a samurai. You're like, Ooh, I want to lean into that. Um, step up, step yeah, up. Yeah, absolutely. Step up, tap in. Uh, Miyamoto was a natural warrior as well. And the art of the sword came easily to him. His first duel happened when he was 13 years old, right? This is 13 years old, right? And I'll tell you the story because it's a quote from The Lone Samurai. I forgot to quote that book too. Another book that I've read before and uh, it's super duper good. Um, so here's the quote from in the story of uh, Miyamoto Musashi's very, very first duel. In 1596, Musashi was 13 years old. Um, and Arima, his opponent, who was traveling to hone his art, um, and, and, and really practice and, and put into play and challenge his swordsmanship skills, um, arrived in the same exact village that Musashi was in. He put up kind of like this piece of paper on, on a tree of, of, to put your name down if you wanted to have a duel with him, like a sword battle. Musashi wrote his name on the piece of paper for the challenge. A messenger came uh, to the Doran's temple where Musashi was staying, so the Shogun's temple, to inform Musashi that his duel had been accepted by Keli, Doran Musashi's uncle, was shocked by this. So uncle was pissed. He was like, why the fuck did you put your name up there? Like, you're 13 years old. You're going to mm-hmm. die. Right? And he tried to beg him to, like, like call off the duel. Like, call it off, please, in, in the name of Musashi. Uh, based on his nephew's age. Kaylee was adamant, adamant about continuing on with the battle, and the only way to his honor would be cleared as if Musashi apologized to him and then canceled the duel, which Musashi was like, no, fuck that shit. So when the time set for the duel to arrive, the Doran began to apologize for Musashi. Right. So his uncle was like, please, 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 please. Like, I'm so sorry. My son, my, my nephew is, is a fool. Like, I, I don't want him to die. Like all this stuff. Right. And, uh, he merely, um, you know, just was just like really, really like just nervous and, and, and scared for Musashi. Right. But he's like, nope, too fucking late. You know, Musashi already dug his grave. Um, and it's time to duel. So they get their duel together. And Kaihi attacked with a wakazashi, right? So that's another different type of, of samurai weapon. But Musashi knew that Kaihi uh, on the floor. And while Kaihi tried to get up, so Musashi hit him. But when Kaihi tried to get up, Musashi struck um, struck him between the eyes and then beat him to death, right? So that one blow between his eyes, like, knocked him the fuck out. And Musashi, 13 years old, just fucking beat this dude to death, right? And, it, you know, you think about it, like, you know, that's just, like, it's, like, you would think it was a fluke. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my God, like, this kid just, ran, mm-hmm. you know, randomly won. Um, but... To be fair, they were saying that his opponent, right, was very arrogant, overly eager to battle, right? And he wasn't even a terribly, like, good swordsman, you know? Like, he wasn't very good Mm -hmm. at all. So people were like, oh, well, kind of made sense. It was either a fluke or this guy just, like, really, really sucked. 
right? So that's kind of the the story that it is in that in that book. Um, if you are are interested in and in wanting to check it out, um, it's called the Lone Samurai. Once again, um, but that's kind of like his first battle. But he won his first battle against this guy. I mean, being thirteen and like a guy that claims to call himself a samurai, like winning against a samurai is pretty victorious. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the next journey, right, for in Musashi, Musashi's life. At age 15, he began to travel and challenged all members of the Yoshishiko clan and defeated them all. Right? The Yoshishiko clan was one of Japan's uh, best and most respected samurai schools. Right? So this clan was like some of the baddest of the baddest in this like like Michael Jackson. Well, no, I don't want to say Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah, like they're like bad. Like they like are nasty, dude. Like they're known for, known for like having the best of the best, like being super violent, um, and super all hands in on that samurai lifestyle, you know. Um, so what happened with this one is, you know, as a lone samurai, after his like uncle dies, Musashi just is like on his own, and he is strictly like a solo artist. Like he is just like crushing it cruising through you know the forests of japan and just like living on his own like with nothing but like sleeping under the stars and like living off of the land again that's kind of like another philosophy of his that we'll talk about once we get into the actual five books um <clears throat> it's all you need to do to become yeah. the samurai. yeah is like he's not attached to anything um and we'll talk about when he defeated uh the like highest ranking uh leader of the Yoshishoka clan right so this guy's name was Matashiroko Yoshikoa the head of the Yoshikoa clan was 12 was a 12 year old named Matashirakoa who was challenged <laughs> who was also challenged the warrior who had brought dishonor to his family As the time requested for the fight was at night, Musashi became suspicious that foul play was afoot. He turned up early and hid himself from sight. And again, this comes from strategy, the art of strategy, the art of focus, knowing your opponent, knowing your environment. Is this kid 12? Sorry. What? Is this the 12-year-old? Yeah. Yeah. So Musashi is getting ready to go fight this 12-year-old. He is the head uh, he so he is the head of the Yoshikoa clan. Sure enough, mm. when the boy arrived, he had uh, he had like a shit ton of men. Like he had like a group of men armed with swords, bows, and rifle, um, all around him, hiding in place, intending to ambush Musashi while the two are in combat, right? So they're kind of using this 12-year-old dude as bait for the whole entire clan Mm. to attack Musashi, right? And Musashi's like, no, dude, like, I fucking am up to all of this shit. I see what you're doing. I see the shade. I see the sinkiness, right? And he needs to get through this clan to make his way through, right, to the top, right? Because he wants to have his own samurai school. Mm -hmm. He wants to be a motherfucking on top. When the time was right, Musashi charged the young boy warrior and cut his head clean off. So it was like a clean slink slice. Surrounded by the boy's, like, army, he then threw the second sword, right, and cut himself a path. Like, so he had his two swords, and then he cut himself a path through all of the men, 
right? To kill him, right? Trying to kill their heads. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so he was just like slicing his way through, trying to kill the men before escaping into a nearby rice field. This not only ended uh, the Yokishoka Ru, but was also a pivotal moment for Musashi, according to many historians. Add is to believe that this is his first conception of fighting with two swords, a style that would become his trademark later in his years. So this was the first time where he ever used his own technique, where he's like, holy shit, that worked. Right? It's like, yeah, I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know I could do this. <laughs> So, yeah, and then he just runs into a rice field and, like, hangs out and hides, right? And he's like, it's all good, y'all. My favorite story, though, of of his, like, he has so many, like, really, really cool kind of, like, tales about duels. But my favorite one, especially, it's a great segue and I think really embodies the Book of Five Rings, like, his most common and, like, his biggest work, kind of, like, his life achievements. All right, friends. Let's learn about the Battle of Kujoro. The duel was scheduled for April 13, 1612, when Musashi was approximately 30 years old. The departure by boat for the duel was arranged for the hour of the dragon in the early morning, approximately 8 a.m., to the island of Honshu. Right? While visitors were banned and spectators were not allowed on this island, right, it was filled to the brim with them anyway. Kojiro was known for wielding an oversized Nodadachi Japanese greatsword called a laundry drying pole for its length, so this sword was gigantic. Using this sword, Kojiro was said to be known for his swift two-stroke sword technique called the Tusambe Gashi, and he bore the nickname the Demon of the Western Province. Kojiro arrived at the appointed time, but he was then left to wait for hours. He was pissed. He was waiting for hours and hours for Musashi. Musashi had intentions to arrive late to this duel with the demon of the western province. This was his technique, however. He knew that his opponent had a hot temper, was impatient, and would be angry, maybe even furious when he arrived. In some variants of the tale, Musashi intentionally arrives late as a sign of disrespect, but knowing him, I don't think that that was the case. As he sailed over, Musashi carved a crude oversized boken from one of the ship's oars with his knife, making an improvised wooden sword. This was to help him calm and ground his mind before the battle. Upon Musashi's arrival, an furious and irritated Kujoro screamed and was yelling at him from a space of furious rage. And from there, he dramatically unsheathed his sword and threw his scarab, so that's a sheath, into the ocean, right? As a sign that he would not stop until the fight ended in Musashi's death. Musashi responded with a taunt and a battle cry, saying that Kujoro was clearly not confident in himself. The two circled each other, and Kujoro leaped forward. Musashi uh, leaped forward towards Musashi, and with his trademark overhead strike, Musashi too jumped and swung his weapon to counter with a giant shout, and then the two sword strokes met. Musashi's headband fell off, 
sliced by Kujuro's sword, but somehow only the henban was cut rather than Musashi's skull. Musashi's strike, though, had struck true, crushing Kujuro's skull. A lesson Boom. of patience. <laughs> A lesson of patience. Like, and like, yeah, dude, he fucked up by getting all f- angry before that. Yeah, like he approached it and he was heated as fuck, right? Which he used all his energy to throw that. What is it? The shat. The um. It's his like two strike. The sheath. Yeah, but he throws it off into the oh, you know, he like makes this big stink about it. Like I'm gonna fucking kill you. I'm so angry. Yeah, I can't believe that you're <laughs> late. We're gonna take this till you're fucking dead. And then just with like one stroke, Musashi destroys the guy's skull with a wooden sword. And he has a Japanese great sword, you know. So again, patience. Like it, you know, anger, patience, fear. It mm. can overtake the mind. It can overtake the body. And cause a, a negative effect, right? Sounds like you whittled some magic into that sword. Yeah, absolutely. He 100% did, right? And from here leads us into the Book of Five Rings, right? So I'm going to just kind of touch on this book, right? For me, I think it's a phenomenal book. Like if you are a business person, if you are somebody that is picking up a new tool, like a new, you know, craft of some sort like becoming a yoga instructor or you're deciding to like go back to school for something it's a really really great book on strategy and how to focus obviously taking things with a grain of salt please don't commit harikari like (laughs) um right so the book of five rings is a collection of musashi's philosophy on the art of strategy and focus going through these texts i discovered that this doesn't just play apply to samurai culture it applies to the strategy of life and goal attainment the book of five rings is split into a compilation of five different quote-unquote books but they're almost like chapters are kind of like if you think about like the bible like you know mark and jacob and shit like that kind of like split up like that the Mm. five books refer a uh, quote-unquote books refer to the idea that there are different elements of battle just as there are different physical elements in life as described by uh, buddhism and shinto and even in most eastern your religions the five books al- uh, below are musashi's descriptions and depictions of the exact methods or techniques which are described and are the elements of focus and strategy, right? So I'm going to just tell you what the five books are. So there's the book of earth, um, the book of water, the book of fire, the book of wind, and the book of void, right? So those are all the books that are all the like sub chapters that rest within the book of five rings. So today we have time for the book of earth. And then in part two, we'll get into all the other books. Right? So the Book of Earth chapter serves as an introduction and a metaphor and metaphorically discusses martial arts, leaderships, leadership and the training uh, to help building a, a strong, confident clan or house. The Book of Earth that refers to the strategy taught by Musashi at the Ichi School Musashi Samurai School. So again, 
this is like kind of like, okay, you're t- coming to this school, you have to read the book of five rings, right? This is your textbook. This is your, this is your life. This is what you live your life as, as a samurai underneath me. Um, it's about the, it's about the idea of that strategy would be, um, and encourages to be a very, uh, absolute in the strategy of study though the practice of through the practice of swordsmanship, right? So basically it's his philosophy on strategy and focus through the practice of wielding a sword. The strategies listed in the disciplines or the book relate to situations requiring different weapons and tactics, such as, you know, like a sword or a stick or a chain, kind of like some of the things that I named above. Musashi also mentions that not everyone's weapon is a sword, right? For some of us, it's a pen, a hammer, an oar. For the farmer, a hoe or a plow. You know, Michelle, like yours is a paintbrush. You know, mm-hmm. mine is, is my body, right? You must understand and master your tools and not be attached to any tool or hold favorites because if you are caught in a situation where you have to perform on the fly, you are useless. Timing is a huge thing and it is his biggest, biggest mention within this specific chapter. Timing, as explained by Musashi, is a core principle in strategy. This is a quote. Timing is important in dancing and pipe or string music, for they're in rhythm only if timing is good. Timing and rhythm are also involved in the military arts, shooting bows and guns, and riding horses. In all skills and abilities, there is timing. Timing in the world, in the whole life of a warrior, in his thriving, declining, in his harmony and discord. Similarly, there is timing in the way of the merchant, in the rise and the fall of the capital. All things entail rising and falling of time. You must be able to discern this. In strategy, there are various timing considerations. From the outlet, you must know the applicable timing and the inapplicable timing. And from among the large and small things and the fast and the slow timings, find relative timing. First, seeing the distance in timing and the background in timing. This is the main thing in strategy. It is especially important to know the background in timing. Otherwise, your strategy will become uncertain. Crazy, right? That's good shit. I know. I mean that quote or cliche timing is everything like he truly was somebody I think who helped pioneer that philosophy <laughs> for real like it, it's it's really true like it's it's right place right time like it has to be the right moment you know you have to be in the I correct think... position the correct opportunity like everything aligns yeah, and I think there's something, too, to be said about, like, that happening, like, trusting in time and no, you know what I mean? Like, like the idea of, like, manifesting or, like, wanting something so bad. Ima- you know, I think we've talked about this before, but imagine just getting everything that you want so bad, like, right away without time. You know, like, without, like, you, without time. There's no gratitude. Fu- 
Yeah, without time, like, you wouldn't even be ready for it, you know? There's, like, a reason that, yeah. you know, you don't have your, you know, whatever. There's a reason that, like, if I said, you know, I really want, like, I can't, you know, I can't wait. I just want to be a yoga instructor right now. And it's like, here you go. Here's your dream job at the studio of your dreams. I'd get in there and be like, uh, I don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what I mean? like, I don't know how to teach a class. Like, I have to do, you know, there's there's work to be done before you you reach the right time and time is so vague and it symbolizes i feel like just so many things like are lumped in with with time you know like it's it's so interesting it's so interesting but i mean timing is is truly everything and understanding time right and with time it's either very quick so being able to pivot on the fly adapt and adjust or be patient which is another really really hard thing for me yeah i gotta get this book it's good the book of earth ends uh with nine basic principles the ground upon which the samurai must relay these are practical or worldly each intended to help develop an understanding of strategy while with the other books focus on tactics and momentum which is really great for like yoga which we'll talk about those books in a minute or next time rather these rules for his students and are complemented by the 21 spiritual principles for all to follow right so within the book of earth and really mastering strategy these are the principles that you must honor respect and master do not think dishonestly which we've all been there, you know, like you have to be putting out truth. Yeah. And then if you go back to our chakra episodes, like you'll see actually a lot of this philosophy come into play because what does yoga consist of? Like Buddhism, Confucianism, mm-hmm. Zen, all of those Eastern uh, religions and philosophies kind of lumped into one. Um, the way is in training. Right. Mm -hmm. The way is in training. Right. And training isn't like, oh, I just do this for like a couple weeks and I'm done. You are forever a student. You are forever learning. You are forever training. Right. Because that is the way because the world changes. And if you don't change, guess what? You get left the fuck behind. Become adequate with every art. Know the way of all professions. Right? I think that's just having insight of how things operate and work around you. If we're putting that into comparison for today. Distinguish between gain and loss in worldly matters. You know, sometimes we'll have things that happen to us. We're like, that was a huge loss. But in reality, a lot of the times it's a big gain. You know, like, for example... I could be like, man, I lost my studio. Like, you know, I gave that space up. I lost it. It was a loss, you know, but really it was a gain, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. for me, like stepping out of that and into this new world. Develop an intuitive judgment and understanding for everything. Right? So to me, like what that means is like, you do something rather than me immediately reacting from like anger, frustration, understand why. 
understand the why behind all things, right? Because that's where the clarity is, is within the why. Like when I QA instructors, I'd be like, oh, why did you put that there? You know, like rather than me being like, that sucked. That was terrible. What the fuck were you thinking? Mine was, right. why was this here? And a lot of the times, like when people don't have a why, they're completely caught off guard and it makes them rethink. You know what I mean? Right. Totally. And then you got the chance too to not just like judge them immediately, but to also like me and maybe there was a reason. Yeah. You know? But also like giving them the tool to right. evaluate the why, to understand everything that they do and everything has to have intention within it. Perceive those things which cannot be seen, which is something that mm. I fail at all the time. Like I do, like how you were like with the whole editing thing and I was like, oh my God, does she not trust me to edit? You know, but that I'm not seeing it and <laughs> right. I'm not, you're not seeing that and I'm not understand. Like I wasn't understanding it. You, you know what I mean? And right. I was like, oh my God, does she just not trust me? That wasn't it. I wasn't perceiving and I wasn't understanding. Right. Yeah, the backstory of that, y'all, is that I was like, send me the episode before you publish it because I was so insecure. I was having a mental breakdown because, like, you know, I don't know if I should say things. I don't, you know, I don't want people to think a certain way about, you know. So I was in my own mental headspace and then Bree's like, oh, my gosh, you know, do you not trust me with the episode? And it's like, no. I hate myself. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, okay. Like, I wasn't, yeah, you off. I do that shit all the time, too. Just like, you know. That's amazing. Assuming. Yeah, yeah, without understanding, right? We need to be able to, I think that's good that it's develop an intuitive judgment and understanding for everything, right? I love that that comes before because you need to have that before you can perceive the things that can't be seen. Uh, Pay attention to trifles. Do nothing which is of no use. Right? So, Mm. yeah, it's like, is this a useful time of my energy? Like, what is my energy going to be? You know, like, is this useful? Like, is this right? Like, mm. is this the, the correct thing to be doing within the moment and within the time? Which I feel like as Americans, too, we just are always, even now, even we're still, like, in the COVID pause. We're still, like, oh, like I even the other day I was like, I'm going to have to cancel on this person because this isn't a great use of my energy today. That's not what my energy needs to be put forth today. So, like, really understanding mm-hmm. and then you're putting your energy at the things that are the correct things that you need to be doing within the right moment, within the correct timing. So all of this is the recipe for timing, for perfect timing and understanding timing. Isn't it crazy? That's so good. Yeah. I know. It's like the whole, yeah. Even like with scheduling and like I'm trying to, you know, I'm also trying to like be more in tune, right, with like my – my timing, my cycle, you know, when is it the right time to like make plans with somebody or to like have a business meeting, you know, like not the week I'm not the week my cycle starts. That's not the right time. I'm not going to be like available in a way that I would be if I was, you know, on the opposite end, if I was about to bleed, like, or if I was about to ovulate, like that would be a way better time for me to like 
meet with somebody. Yeah. Um, and like even with like to listen to that totally. Like even when I was like leaving Core Power, like I wanted to leave for a while, just the timing wasn't right, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it was, you know, and then I was able to really de- develop judgment and understanding for everything that I was involving myself within. And I was able to perceive what was really going on. And then I could step in. And then from there, I feel like that created timing. I don't know. So right. crazy. So freaking wild. But yeah, so we still have the Book of Water, the Book of Fire, the Book of Wind, and the Book of Void. Which I think we'll be able to get through all of them on the next episode when we take part two, the Book of Five Rings, uh, Miyamoto Musashi, next week. It's so cool that you uh, bring up. It's just so. Ra- I mean, I guess nothing's random, right? And it's all. It's just all makes sense mm-hmm. uh, the timing with it all. But it's so crazy that you're like, you know, talking about these four five books that I had no idea, you know, of until this moment. And for our Moon Circle, that's on Saturday. Um, my Friday. journal entry app. Uh, Saturday. Is it the thirteenth. Saturday. Oh my God! Yes, Jesus Christ! I'm a turd. Right. Okay. Sorry. Um, you freaked me out. I'm like, what? <laughs> um, but the five, my my our journal entry uh, will have to do with a statement that has to do with Earth, water, fire, wind, and space. And I just think it's funny because Earth, um, the like follow up to that journal is Earth. Uh, I am. I honor. Or I am rooted in. So, like, that will be... I just think that's cool. Um, that's rad. Can, uh, yeah. I told I, you, um, this episode is going to be so relevant for you. You know, and all of these I things, too, like, for strategy, like, is focus, is his philosophy within it. And I know that's what you're really trying to do. So, I was like, I'm going to do this one for Mitchie. Because I think she's going to vibe I love it. it. was perfect. Right. It's literally perfect. It's just so funny. Yeah, I was like vibing with the with the same thing. I can't wait to hear everybody's like, I honor, you know, bl- fill in the blank or um, I am, you know, like what my I am, my I am statement for. Um, I am whatever for, you say I yeah. am. If I wasn't. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Eminem vibes up in this bitch. That's, that's Breeze. I am Earth. Um, <laughs> intention uh, i think that mine is i am no say it consistent it. okay fine you're consistent okay, okay. no it's well, too late you're fucking it, consistent you're fucking consistent in my yoga practice Woo! yes you are that's my i am you are that's also a sankopa and you'll have to wait to hear the rest for the on the moon circle looks like you guys are just gonna have to join the patreon the coven for thirteen thirty three a month. Uh, link is mm. in our Instagram mm-hmm. bio. Mm-hmm. Follow mm-hmm. us at mm-hmm. Healing House Podcast mm-hmm. on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Send us a Gmail mm-hmm. at Healing House Podcast mm-hmm. at Gmail dot mm-hmm. And if you um you know are balling on a budget, we do have a three dollar a month tier. You get everything except for the yoga and the moon circles. Or just leave us a review on Spotify, Apple, uh, Podcasts, wherever you listen to this um, phenomenal content at. Um, that really, really helps us. It helps us get to where it is that we want to be within the world. Um, and don't forget to tell one 
homie. Yes, that's your homework. Tell one friend about this podcast. If you could even do that, so grateful for you. So fucking grateful so for grateful. you. So yeah, we love you all. Uh, continue to love and be yourselves and make magic. Um, mm-hmm. Your magic. Your magic. <gasps> one deep breath. Oh, my God.